So on um, June 7th, um, Denise and I received this email. Hello, Reverend Christine Lee and Reverend Deacon Denise. Hope all is well. Amidst these troubling times, God continues to work his miracles. Because of some pre-existing conditions, I was assigned to the neonatal, neonatal ICU to decrease my risk of getting ill. I met an infant who was abandoned by her mother after birth and having difficulty finding a home. I always wanted to adopt and I spoke to the social worker and she connected me with Children's Services who approved her coming home with me. I've been caring for her since April 28th. She has been a joy to my family. After 15 months, I hope to adopt her and plan her baptism. I would like to name her Grace and my mother's middle name, Lannis. This email is from Elise Catrono, who's one of our members here at St. Peter's. Many of you already know this story. And as I read this email again, I think to myself, what an appropriate name for this little girl, Grace. Grace in the middle of this pandemic, you know, where she's surrounded by death, this little life came into the world, you know, unwanted, unknown, unnamed. But then Elise saw her and wanted her and cared for her and named her. Grace that her path should cross with Elise's path. Grace for both of them. You know, names are a very powerful thing. Like in the Bible, a person's name is their story. It summed up who they were, you know, what they were about. Um, it even had a prophetic element to it in that it said something about their destiny and their purpose in the world. Like you really can't know a person without also knowing their name. And in our Exodus reading for this morning, um, we witness this first meeting between Moses and God. And it's this introduction of sorts, but it's an introduction like no other. So Moses is out in the wilderness. He's tending his father-in-law's sheep. And he sees this curious sight. It's a bush that is blazing with fire, but it wasn't being consumed. And when the Lord sees that Moses turns aside to see, he calls out to him and he introduces himself in this very specific way because there's something that the Lord wants Moses to know about him, his name, who he is at this seminal moment in Moses' life, in the life of the people of Israel, and what he is about to call Moses into where, like, like Elise and Grace, Moses' story and God's story and the story of the people of Israel are now all being intertwined for his larger purpose. So he says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And right there, embedded in the way that he introduces himself, is a story. And by introducing himself in this way, he's saying, I am the faithful God. 
I am the God of the covenant that I made with your forefathers generations ago. I am the God of Abraham who left everything he had ever known to follow me into the unknown and to whom I swore that his descendants would be as countless as the stars of the universe, even though he and Sarah were barren. I am the God of Isaac, who faced these impossible odds of death itself and experienced me as the God who provides. I am the God of Jacob, who was a deceiver and a manipulator and didn't even trust me to keep my promises. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were far from being perfect human beings. They failed, they lied, they feared, they made mistakes. And yet God is saying, I was faithful to them. And through that, he's saying to Moses, I will be faithful to you as well. And he goes on to say, you know, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, flowing with milk and honey. In other words, he's saying that I am the God who sees, hears, knows, and delivers my people. They are not unknown and unwanted and uncared for and unvalued. Their lives matter. They matter to me. Because of that, I am going to deliver them. So you can imagine, maybe at this point, like what is going through Moses' mind? You know, he had seen firsthand like the suffering and the oppression of his own people. And you can imagine that as the Lord is speaking, you know, maybe there's hope rising in Moses' heart as he hears the Lord say, I've seen their misery, I've heard their cries, and I'm going to come down and deliver them. And maybe at this point, Moses is like, yeah, God, do it. Deliver your people. Woohoo. But then God keeps on going and he says, and I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people out of Egypt. And Moses goes, say what now? Me? I thought you said you were going to deliver them, not me. Who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? So can I just say that um, I love that this story is in the Bible. So our reading only covers these first few um, verses of chapter three, but it continues to go on well into chapter four as well. And basically, it's Moses telling God all the reasons why he cannot do this. And he's like, I am weak. I'm nobody. I don't speak properly. People aren't going to listen to me. I'm going to fail miserably. And then in the end, he's just like, please. And these are the exact words in the Bible. Please send somebody else. I just don't want to do this. Anyone ever feel this way? Like, can I get an amen on this, brothers and sisters? Anybody ever feel this way? I know that I have and I do often feel this way. Who am I? What can I do? The powers that be are too powerful. And just notice here that God doesn't deny any of this. He doesn't say, no, 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 that's not true. You're strong. You can do it. No, he doesn't even say that. All he says is, I will be with you. I will be with you. 
Remember who I am, the God who is with you, the God who chooses to act through you. I don't even have to do this, but I choose to do it through you. And when Moses asks, if I come to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God answers, I am who I am. That is my name. You tell them, I am has sent me to you. Now, there's lots of discussion about what does that even mean exactly? And there's lots of different interpretations out there. But essentially, that name of God derives from the Hebrew verb, which means to be. And I like what the Old Testament scholar, J.A. Moyer, says about this. And he says, in every place, at every point in time, in every circumstance or need, he is. And this is not just about the fact that God, God exists, but he says it is his active presence. The presence of God is a living force, vital and personal. And where Moses was weak, almighty power would be at work. You know, Moses had no idea what would be ahead of him at this point. Like we know the whole story because we have the whole book of Exodus. We know that eventually Moses went to the throne room of Pharaoh and told him on God's behalf, let my people go. We know that he stood with the sea at his back and the army of the most powerful nation in the world charging towards him and the people of Israel. We know that eventually when they got into the wilderness, that manna would rain down from heaven and that water would come out of a rock to feed God's people. And we also know that one day an even greater deliverer, Jesus, whose name means God saves, would one day come to free a humanity enslaved to sin and death with his own body and blood on the cross, the bread of heaven, the living water. We know all of this, but Moses didn't. And all he did was reluctantly say yes. And God said, I can work with that. And in this sense, perhaps the burning bush is a metaphor, an image of God and Moses together. And Moses, just a dry shrub in the wilderness, just small and insignificant. But with the active presence of God, the great I am, blazing with light and heat and power. We are living in extraordinary times. And the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Jacob Blake, and the God of Breonna Taylor, and George Floyd, and Ahmaud Arbery, we say their names. We remember who they are. We remember their stories. The God of Christine, of Michael, of Nora and Joe, 
the God of Aaron Lee, the God of Tyler and Eliza and Bailey, the God of, of just put your name in, in that slot, this God who hears the cries of his people and sees their suffering and the way that he chooses inexplicably to bring deliverance, to bring freedom, is now through us by the power of God because of the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. That spirit lives in us. And as the Apostle Paul says, you raised Christ from the dead. That same spirit lives in us, is now living in you. And who we are is defined, sustained, and empowered by who he is in every place, at every point, in time, in every circumstance, and every need. The bush was burning, but it was not consumed. You have a role to play in God's salvation story, and so do I. You have a story. You are named among the people of God. And so how will your story intertwine with his? What sphere of influence is God sending you to play, that small part that he has you to play in his greater purposes? You know, maybe you even already know in your heart. You know, maybe it's like right in front of you. Um, and yet you feel your heart faltering, you know, as you look to the fall. You know, maybe it's as a parent, maybe it's as a teacher, maybe it's as a student, um, maybe it's in some other realm of, of the law or the arts or just in your communities. Um, and God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of you and me says, I am with you. I am. So do not fear. Do not fear. I'm with you. I have called you by name. So I'm going to invite us now just to um, bow your heads and to pray with me um, as I offer this prayer on behalf of all of us to God. God, we come before you as the faithful God of the covenant who is faithful a thousand generations past and a thousand generations into the future. God, thank you that you are not a God who is just far off and distant and absent, but you, you are a God who is present in the midst of suffering, in the midst of the darkness of our world, in the midst of our very human and messy lives. So God, we pray by the power of your Holy Spirit at work in us, would you strengthen us and encourage us to say yes to you, God, even if it's a reluctant yes to you, and to know that it is not about our adequacy, it's not about our gifts and about our strengths, but it's about simply saying yes to you and becoming part of that greater plan and purpose to bring freedom and healing and restoration to a world that is so desperately in need of it, especially right now. So we commit ourselves to you, God. We bless you. We love you. We worship you. We pray all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.